Cowboys Nation. We secured that playoff spot, man. We all here representing y'all. It is playoff time, folks, and it's out drank the coverage. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett here. Intern Noe is we're trying something new, so we don't even know if everybody can hear us. We could be falling flat on our face, which we always do anyway, but it's week one of the playoffs. It's what we've been waiting for all year long. First off, how are you doing, Intern Noe? I'm doing well, Terry. How are you, man? Doing well, doing well. And so let's go ahead and go into the first part of the show. What are you drinking today? I'm drinking Basil Hayden. Uh, you actually left us over on one of our hangouts. 80 proof uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It's artfully aged. And I got to admit, I haven't eaten nothing today. So my first few little swallows here, I'm already feeling pretty darn good. What are you drinking? Uh, today I'm drinking Booker's Small Batch. It's a Kentucky bourbon. Uh, it's a 2022 edition. It's about 62.5% alcohol, so not drinking too much of it. Uh, this is age seven years in the seven years, one month, and seven days. Oh, nice. And it has, uh, I mean, there is a burn, but uh, you can get some vanilla notes at the end. I just want to put, point out that they talk about how it's age seven years, and that's still shorter than when the Cowboys had a road playoff win. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. So that is what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking all things NFL playoffs. We were, and we will talk a little bit of the college. Of course, if you don't know, when we announced uh, a couple weeks ago and we were moving over to this new network, we're actually going to have a second outdrank the coverage starting full-time next year, a pro show and a college show. Uh, but uh, we were going to do a college show today, but to be honest with you, as bad as that game was, uh, there's not a lot to talk about. So we will talk a little bit about that. But first, we want to thank our sponsors, including our title sponsor, Frisco Bar and Grill. You can find them online at Fr at the Frisco Bar. You can also give them a call, 972-712-0808. But better yet, you can go visit them, 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120, right there in Frisco. If you're a band or you know somebody that's that plays in the band and you're looking to, for a place to perform, you can get a hold of them and book your band. You just simply email them booking TFB at gmail.com. Uh, they're a title sponsor, but this is a place that you and I know we both love. We've been there a couple times. It's a great place. If you want to do karaoke, if you just want to have drinks, but it's a very fun place when the San Francisco 49ers are playing. Yeah. So when we went for the Monday night game with San Francisco and Arizona, I still remember them cheering the first down chant they do for the 49ers when they're in San Francisco. Uh, I already forgot it what it was, but I remember it was <laughs> annoying me, but it was still pretty cool to see all these fans that, you know, they're not from here coming together, having drinks. And they were all very friendly. They were very cool. And, you know, it was, it was very peaceful and just fun, you know, uh, Again, I wish the Cowboys had something like that. Uh, I already told you about my experience this year going to a bar. Oh, yeah, you didn't, say, but you didn't really talk about that on the air much. So go ahead. While we're doing this, this is a great com contrasting compare. Uh, you and I joke about it. We do a show for the Cowboys uh, and we love our Cowboy fandom, but my God, at times they can just be absolutely dumb. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And I had the big, uh, uh, big, you know, uh, diatribe a few weeks ago about that. 
I thought the Cowboy hate just stemmed from the fact that Cowboys are the most valuable sports franchise yeah. in the world. The success, the profitability of the as a business, the profitability of the Cowboys, and the fact that they're on you know, multiple primetime or primetime slots throughout yeah. the years because they draw the the most ratings. Uh, but I didn't realize what people were telling me until I went to a bar this year. And, uh, yeah, I have to apologize to all those cowboy haters because if those are the fans that you're complaining about, I kind of have to side with you. They were very annoying, <laughs> cheering for every five-yard gain, talking about, you know, this victory against Chicago. It, we're, we're playing Chicago. It was a – I don't remember what the score was. I remember it was a 49, 29 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were thinking, you know, Super Bowl or bust at that point. I'm like, what are you talking about? I saw the same game you saw. We only won because we turned or Chicago just turned the ball over a lot. So well, that, you either know. get, you either get that fan or you get the fan that Dak's never going to win. This team's never going to win. Dallas Cowboy fans in general, I don't know, man. They have this uh, – they think that, you know, because we've had – you know, the Cowboys had success in the 70s and then early 80s and then the early to mid-90s, that, that that means Dallas has to be good every so many years or every year, and they don't – you know, they, they can't accept it. Hey, that – you know, just because you did it 20 years ago doesn't mean you can do it now. Look at New England. 20 or 30 years ago, they were a laughingstock organization that had had one Cinderella run to the Super Bowl that only got them destroyed by maybe one of the best teams in the history of the NFL, and that's all they were. Now, 20 years later, you, you look and, the, you know, you – put the New England Patriots as one of the top three franchises of all time simply because of what they did in that 20-year window. Yeah, and we'll look back on it a few years from now and probably consider the Patriots' 18-year run as one of, as probably the greatest, longest, greatest and longest stretches in American professional sports. Yet still fell short of the Cowboys' 20-year run. Just point that out. As far as winning record, Yes. That, that's, but I mean, something. the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots won six Super Bowls in nine appearances. And that's yeah. no other team has done that. And see, that's right there is why you want to be title sponsor of a show like that because we just <laughs> did all that while doing an ad read for the Frisco Bar and Grill. I also want to thank Grandeur Pest Solutions. You can find them online at Grandeur Four. That's the number four shore dot com. Give them a call four six nine eight zero nine one eight four two. They're the best pest control company in Dallas. Uh, they're locally owned and operated. They're not going to take a month to get to you. So if you contact them today, which we're recording this on a Wednesday, by Friday, you've probably got a plan of action that they're going to do for you. Uh, and also proud to say that they have re-signed up for 2023. So they're going to be back on as a sponsor next year for this and the high school show. And then we want to thank Mattress Depot. They are locally owned with 11 stores across the DFW area. Uh, they, they're, uh, not only locally owned, but they also love the local community. They give discounts for teachers. They give discounts for first responders. They give discounts for, for uh, they, again, American made mattresses. They're affordable. I, I went and checked them out a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
uh, Rockwall, that one of their uh, places. And man, really affordable prices, really good mattresses. Mattress is one of those things that I always joke on this ad read that man, they are a mattress is really expensive, and you don't realize that till you reach that time in in adulthood when you're about to buy your first mattress. Yeah, especially a, a mattress that you want to have long term. So. Uh, I'm actually considering getting one for my spare room. So Mattress Depot will probably be a place I'll check out pretty soon. That's the place where Grant's going to sleep on the long nights? Yes. <laughs> All right. Again, this is Outdrank the Coverage, brought to you by L4 Media Company on the S2S Sports Next Network. Before we begin, we've talked about who we're, we're drinking. We've talked about that. Let's now bow to the football tree that's in front of us. We bow down to it. Let's start with, I guess, let's talk it. Uh, a little bit of a segment, uh, Georgia, TCU. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that game? Uh, it's like what we talk about on this podcast a lot. And the foundation of a team is your line play. And it was evident in this game that Georgia's offensive line was far superior to the TCU's defensive line. It was as if if TCU scored anything, they knew Georgia was going to respond with the touchdown with ease. It just looks simple, very simple. It reminded me, I don't know if I told you off air, but it reminded me of the 2012 season championship between Alabama and Notre Dame. Oh, I think yeah. it was a 42 to 14 score. Now Notre Dame in this day and age, they're a really good team. They're a top 10, 15 team, but they'll never be a top two or one team because of their academic requirement. Yeah, And it was evident in that championship game 10 years ago because Alabama was just – I mean, that was back in the day when Alabama wasn't really passing. They were just running, and they just ran at will on Notre Dame's defense, which was one of the top defenses in the country. They had the Heisman runner-up, Manti Teo. Yeah. Notre Dame was undefeated, number one. Uh, So it kind of reminded me of that game, but it was even worse. I mean, it was, what, 65-7 to the final on Monday night? It's crazy. Well, you and I always talk about this in the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, upsets are great until the next round. Uh, you know, it's awesome when a Virginia gets beaten the first round for that moment. Yeah. But usually by the second round, you get the crappy game. And TCU upsetting Michigan was wonderful. Uh, Michigan upsetting Ohio State, you know, at the end of the season was wonderful. They were fun moments. But was it I, I think, well, I, I think it was. I, I still think at the end of the day, you see the way Ohio State played Georgia. I still think o- Ohio State was the second best team in the nation. Doesn't mean you win them all. I think that's the thing. It's weird because your college fans and your NFL fans are one in the same. Yet for some reason, they can't understand that the whole idea of the best four get in over the four most deserving that that doesn't. That doesn't hold up, and that's the whole reason why we want the 12th playoff because then you have a true playoff, and then, hey, if you make it through you know, two, three rounds of playoffs to the championship game, you've kind of earned it. Uh, but but this whole idea that, that TCU doesn't deserve it simply because they got beat and got beat bad, that doesn't make sense. They deserve it because they, they went the furthest on the path compared to the other teams that were around them. Well, that's true. I, I still can't get over what you said about Michigan – in Ohio State. Uh, Michigan's beaten Ohio State the last two years at yeah, home and in Columbus. They won by three touchdowns in Columbus this year. Yeah. Now, I will, I will agree. Ohio State, they have the most NFL-ready talent. They're well-built to contend with anyone in the SEC. 
but they still can't beat Michigan for some reason. And this is a recent thing. This is not, I mean, before. I say, it's only a two year thing. So let's not, it, it's not Texas versus OU in the early 2000s yet. Um, Fair. I, I think in games, especially rivalry game, any game, but especially rivalry games, and to an extent, this, this national championship game, I, I think sometimes momentum carries a team further than, so the score looks a lot different. Just like you were just talking about with the Bears game. Cowboys throttled the Bears, but. You really watch the game, and same thing with the Indy game. Cowboys throttled Indy, but it was a one-possession game into the fourth quarter. Things change, and, and you know, and, and so that Mich- Michigan-Ohio State game, it was back and forth, and then Michigan had a couple big plays after Ohio State had controlled a lot of that first half, and it just kind of – it snowballed against them, and it snowballed for Michigan. That's the only reason I say that. Yeah, uh, fair. Uh, All right. Going Go back ahead. to the championship, anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, Georgia, yeah, Georgia, you know, I think if you play that game 10 times, it's closer in other games, kind of the same thing. TCU just didn't start off right, and and then from that moment on, it felt like they were completely out of their game plan. But let's not kid that if you played it 10 times, TCU wins five. They might win one. I think there would be closer matchups. I I think you saw a Georgia team that's just simply used to the big lights, and TCU wasn't, and you saw that for that first half and then TCU it looked like they were going to write themselves in that second quarter and then it just when it fell apart Georgia was there and they just jumped on it yeah the, there was what TCU could do uh, I was looking uh, about third quarter I was thinking about what they were going to be like next year because they're going to lose Duggan but he was the technically the backup going into this year so I'm uh, fairly certain TCU will remain in the top 15 and they're going to lose Quentin uh, Quentin Johnson, the receiver, he, he's going to be a stud in the NFL. He has the height and the speed. And Kendra well, Miller's leaving too. So they're starting running back, quarterback, and receiver all gone. But uh, TCU they have falls back to the. Back. TCU falls back to the the middle of the Big Twelve pack at least for a year. We don't even know what's what. How to say this? We don't know how much of this year was Sonny Dykes. You know, as far as, you know, give him credit. I'm not trying to take it away, but these are still 90% Gary Patterson's players. That's so we've got to point. see, and we got to see how Sonny Dykes, and I think he'll do fine, but we have to see how he'll recruit. But my question is, is how long is Sonny Dykes at TCU? Because if you're a Mississippi State who just lost Mike Leach and, and a guy, and you're trying to replace him with a guy that, I don't want to say Sonny Dykes has the exact same energy as Leach. He's not as out there, but Sonny Dykes is an affable type of guy that plays well in living rooms. And, you know, he has that, he has his dad's, you know, oh gosh, darn it, just happy to be here type of, of attitude. And it works really well. So I think the bigger question for TCU is with Texas and OU moving and how the Big 12 is going to form, will TCU be able to keep them or will they become a stepping school? It's hey, uh, over the years, we'll find out. I think by the end of this decade, we'll have a clearer picture of what the Big 12 is going to be like. Will it be an upper echelon conference like the PAC or the uh, Big Ten's about to start becoming, or what the SEC is right now? Or they'll just be an AAC conference. Yeah, that's a good point. And I actually like the way the Big 12 is being built. I, I think what they lack in heavyweights, they'll make up for in geography. Uh, it, it wouldn't like shock me. If, I wouldn't shock me if you see a Colorado maybe come back to the fold. 
uh, maybe even in Nebraska. I, I don't know. Coach if, Prime? Coach if, Prime back? If, if I'm the Big 12, I, I think I look toward Nebraska and say, hey, look, you know, you, 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 we got rid of the people you hated. You hated Texas. They're gone. So come back, and you would think that Nebraska – because the, the thing that what people don't understand, the two things that hurt Nebraska is Prop 48 getting eliminated, but also they lost their their uh, recruiting uh, roads into Texas. And, and, and not that they had a ton of Texas guys, but they got just enough. And, and so losing that and putting them up in the Big Ten, which geographically makes sense, but to the fan base of Nebraska, I don't think they've ever felt like they fit into the Big Ten. No, and their play has shown it. They're a shell of their former selves. Uh, it, it's kind of depressing because when I was growing up, they, were, they won three championships in a four-year span, and this team looks nothing like it at all. Speaking of growing up, when we finish tonight's show, we'll kind of tease what we're going to be doing in the future. And One of that's going to be during the Super Bowl show, uh, how we became fans of, and we're going to talk about how you and I became fans of the Cowboys and kind of redo the Super Bowl episode we did last year, which was kind of short. And remember, we were going to do the memories and stuff, kind of bring that back up. But all right, so that's college. That's in the books. We talked 17 minutes longer on that than I thought we would. All right, let's go to the NFL. Let's go to the playoffs. Uh, let's uh, let's start. Let's just go with the schedule. So let's talk the first game, Noe. Okay. So, who, where so do you go? first game of the playoff weekend, yes, NFL let's go wild card is going to be Saturday the 14th. It's going to be Seattle at the 49ers at 3.30 p.m. Central. Who do you got and why? Uh, I've got the Niners, and I got it by a lot. This is going to be one of the ugly games. I, I think there's a couple really fun games this weekend, uh, and I think there's a couple stinkers, and I think this is a stinker. I, I think San Francisco will – it wouldn't shock me if it's 27 to three by half. Um, yeah. I do think the one thing you have to do, I will give Seattle credit for is their pass defense is pretty salty, but I don't think that matters to, uh, to San Francisco. Cause they're going to want to run, 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 run. So I think both two versus seven games are going to be blowouts. Uh, but just focusing on the 49ers and Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, 49ers are the most well-constructed, team in all of football. I still think the Buffalo Bills are the best overall as far as organization, like front office, coaching, and players. Uh, but 49ers have the best coach in football right now, Mike Shannon. Kyle Shannon, Whoa. sorry. <laughs> uh, they have the best – what's going good for the 49ers, what they started learning after they, get all, got the, after they got all those injuries is depth. They've been yes. able to replace players – the big trade for McCaffrey. I mean, they, I think they're nine and one or ten and one since they got McCaffrey. With the loss being the Kansas City game, literally the week next, like four days after the trade, and so he wasn't going to make a huge, huge impact in that game anyway. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers is a completely different team. I bet you that defense. It, to me, it kind of reminds me of the 2020 season when Kansas City went into Tampa and just bulldozed them. Tampa had a big comeback at the end, but it was basically 27-3 and going into the later stages of the third quarter. That kind of reminded me of the Kansas City 49er game earlier this year. Yeah. I don't think the 49ers defense is going to play like that if they so meet in the Super Bowl. Okay, so there is one path for Seattle to – outside of like you know San Francisco, and maybe this happened with Brock Purdy at quarterback, but outside of San Francisco just you know turning the ball over a bunch, the one path is if Seattle can block up that 
pass rush well. There's a little dirty secret about the Niners and the Cowboys. And this is the one thing I think the Eagles have over both of them is the Eagles have a really good pass rush and a really solid back end of their defense. Both the Cowboys and the Niners, when everybody's healthy, do too. The problem for both of them is they both have key players out. So if Geno Smith can avoid the pass rush, I do think there's big plays down the field for Seattle. But it, the, the thing about that, it's the same reason, one of the main reasons I'm going to go Cowboys Bronco or against the Buccaneers is if the pass rush is getting home consistently, then two or three big pass plays won't change the game. Probable defensive player of the year, Bosa. We'll probably get three to four sacks in this game. Seattle's offensive line has been much better than expected. The whole team has been much better than expected. They shouldn't even be in the playoff. They should be a top five draft pick this year. So kudos to Carroll. Kudos to Geno for probably being the comeback player of the year. Uh, yeah, it's just been an overall surprising year for the Seahawks. You know that there's a lot of improvements that are still needed for the Seahawks. This is a one and done, but it's something to build off on. And well, yeah, I, I mean, do you really, that was actually going to be my next question. I, I still don't know if I trust a Geno Smith year two. And also at times late in the season, you started seeing where Seattle, and again, they had injuries too, especially if they're running back and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I just worry for them. Is Geno Smith truly a three or four year guy, or was this that one year special that a veteran has? And then next year he falls back to 12 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Type. A la 2008 Chad Pennington, when he was runner up for MVP that year and leading the dolphins to the division title. Uh, we don't know, but we do know. What I do know is Snyder, the GM, had a great draft. He got three starters for the future, and Kenneth Walker and Woolen and uh, a cornerback, and then Cross a tackle, mm -hmm. key pieces. Repeat that in the next draft, and who knows? Get more protection and offense, or uh, more protection and some more weapons for Geno. Who knows? I mean, I. Gut feeling is, yeah, he'll have a second-year slump. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Make the team better around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they just don't have enough right now to compete against the Niners. I, I feel San Francisco is going to shut down Walker, so the running game is going to be basically non-existent. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the weakness. Uh, I mean, the strength of San Francisco is that run defense. All right, the next matchup is Saturday night. I think this has the potential to be the most exciting game. I think this has the potential to be the most high-scoring game. Uh, I, I kind of hope both of the defenses regress back to what they've been all year, and we get because I, I really do. I think this could be a 35-31 type of game. Uh, and I, I, so, what are your thoughts, Jaguars, Chargers? Oh man, before. I would have said this is a toss-up, but now that I thought about it, I think the Chargers are getting healthy at the right time. They're streaking at the right time. Khalil Mack, Vanoy, Bosa, that defense is going to be humming. And they're both teams are inexperienced as far as playoffs. That's fine. Both teams have improved since last year. I think both teams should be happy with this year and build off of it until next year. My prediction – Charges a win, uh, probably by ten points. I, See, I, I, I agree with everything you said up to. I think the Chargers have to win for them to feel good about their season, because again, th this feels like it's four years in the making. Because 
for the last, especially the last two and a half, where they, you know, well, especially even last year, where you win and you're in at the end. Yeah. I, I, I think Jacksonville's happy no matter what. I, I still think the Chargers. I, I think the Chargers have a really legitimate chance to make a Bengals type run. It, it, you know, with how this team is constructed, you talk about rosters one through twenty-two. There, there's not much better than the Chargers. Their issue is, is they don't have that depth built up. And so they have injuries, and when they have an injury, like when Derwin James misses, it affects them. And you saw that against San Francisco on Sunday Night Football where, I mean, score-wise it wasn't as bad, but that was one of the biggest just absolute grind the team down into nothing and win when I think San Francisco could have scored 60 if they wanted to, but they just methodically just kept the Chargers from, from ever being able to catch their breath. I like the fact that the Chargers are getting healthy, but you're yeah. right. They're, the depth is a big issue. Uh, Brandon Stanley, I think for him, this is kind of a statement game for him as head coach. He's been criticized by me and a lot of other people uh, for some in-game decision-making, but I will give him credit for helping steer around this turnaround. They, I think they won four of the last five games to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I that the health is the reason why I think the Chargers are gonna beat the Jaguars. I still don't, I'm still not 100% sure on it, but I have to pick a team, I have to pick the Chargers. Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for the Jags, has played lights out, but he still has a fumble almost every game. Yeah, and I feel he's gonna be almost perfect up until the end. I, yeah. I just envision him having a game crushing fumble that's going to be recovered and the charge will score a touchdown, put the game on ice. Uh, but Hey, Jaguars, they have building blocks for next year and for the future. They have their stud running back, Travis Etienne jr. They got Trevor Lawrence, a stud quarterback. They got some free agents on defense. They got some decent, they have decent line play. Uh, they're still a year away. Well, and to be honest with you, I could see the Jaguars reverting back to the Jaguars in this game. And like you said, Trevor Lawrence fumble early, Chargers take a 7-0 lead, make it 14-0, and away they go. It was a little disconcerting that it Jaguar, and I know it was on the road. I mean, it was on the road. It was actually at home. I know it was against a veteran team in the Titans, but it was a little disconcerting that it took a, a fumble – pick scoop and score to, for them to win the game the offense was non-existent against the tennessee defense it's not really i mean they're good but they're not oh my god great or anything watching that play out made me think of okay if this was the cowboys <laughs> oh lord i would be angry if one of those any one of those players would say hey a win's a win we're division champs it's what I told you about the Cowboy Texan game. Yeah, you did. Where some of the players were very happy about winning, and that's all that matters. And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, you play like that, you're going to be having just as many playoff wins as the Chicago Bears. Oh. So I, I guess I, when, I, when I see a good team like the Jaguars, the Jaguars are streaking. And when I, when I see them at home against a banged-up Tennessee team, with the title on the line, they don't have Ryan Tannehill. All they have to do is just hand it off to Derrick Henry. They're very handicapped and limited. They, they're not big play action offense that they used to be with A.J. Brown at receiver. Yeah. How do you lose – how do you put yourself in a position to almost lose that game? 
The Especially when you've been streaking the way you have been. Yeah, the offense was kind of choking in that game. You, you could kind of see the Trevor Lawrence big big eyes in the lights type of thing. And, I mean, the defense bailed them out. It, you know, if and it, it took three and a half quarters, though, for the defense to get to a quarterback that had literally making his second start. And, hey, Joshua Dobbs did really good in the Cowboy game and in this game for the most part. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just, you know, it. I don't know. I, I still think, though, the Chargers are the Chargers, so they will keep Jacksonville in the game. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I, I think at the end of the day, I don't know, it just feels like if the Chargers don't make a run now, are they going to be a team that's always being kind of bounced in and out of, of that line and not assert themselves as a AFC power? All right. Which the is next sad game. because they're going to – because they're kind of wasting some talent there with Keenan Allen. He doesn't have many years left. Yeah, and you've got you, you got to wonder how much Austin Eckler will have left. In his late twenties, uh, right now. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, and and then you've got a defense with with players like Boza and, and James. They're great, but they have a tendency to not be able to stay healthy for consistently long amounts of time. Uh, but anyway, all right, let's go to the Sunday games. I think this one, you you and I might disagree on this one. I, it's the Dolphins. It's the Bills. It's in Buffalo. I think the Bills win. I'm not trying to pretend that it's not. But I, I think the Dolphins are the exact opposite of the Jaguars in that, okay, they their quarterback's not going to play, but I think they could do enough offensively to still be an issue against the Buffalo team that at times just find weird ways to, to, to not win as big as they should or just, in fact, lose. Yeah, after 2020, when the Bills went 13-3, and made it to the conference championship game, I thought that team was perfect. But then in 2021, you could see, oh, it, it almost looked like they were bored with winning. And it would show, like, I remember that game at home against in the Colts where Jonathan Taylor just went off for a bunch of touchdowns, a bunch of yards. And Jonathan or uh, uh, Allen just tur- was turnover prone the entire game. I, it, it's, it's just almost like they're just too good and they're trying to make it hard for themselves to win. Yeah. It, as, as weird as that sounds. No, Having said I think- that, Go ahead. I was going to say, I agree. It just feels, and maybe, maybe that is just us. You nitpick every loss and when you don't lose a lot, but like that Minnesota game, that's just a weird way to lose. They were up and by 17 and it was that ridiculous catch by Ju- uh, Justin Jefferson on fourth and what, 17 to get better back catch in the game. Than Odell Beckham Jr. made. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was voted on uh, a red zone the show we watch every week as probably the catch of the year. God bless Chris Hansen. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think Buffalo wins. I don't. The team split this year. Miami won the first matchup. Buffalo won the second matchup at home in the snow. Great game. Yeah. Having said that, Tua was in both games. Tua is not going to play in this playoff game. I really don't think Skylar Thompson is going to be able to, to lead Miami. Was well, Bridgewater out too? I thought Bridgewater was still nursing. I, I think he might be available, but I don't think he's. I think he's. I mean, my, Miami is uber talented. They very. Hey, they have the two best. They have the they have, they have the top receiving combo in all of football, in Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Underrated best, one of the best. But they running don't even use. They have one of the best running back quartets in football. They have probably one of the best underused tight end in all of football in Mike Kosecki. Yeah, so, I, that'll be a that'll be a discussion for the offseason because you and I are 
part of the reasons why we're friends is you and I love tight end position. And that, that's something that we focus on. And we're in this weird era all of a sudden out of nowhere where tight ends aren't really being used like they should be. Uh, I think yeah, that's temporary. And, and so, temporary. You think so? Have yeah, you looked at the 2023 draft class? Uh, no, but I will be soon because you and I will probably be doing a live draft show at the Frisco Bar and Grill. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just feel like this is one of those games where Miami just kind of mucks it up enough and stays in the game. I think Buffalo wins, but I, I think this turns out to be like a, a 28 to or 28-17 type game where Buffalo actually relies on the running game late in the game to kind of uh, put the game away. But I think Miami is going to give everything that, that they can in this one. I think this will be a sneaky, really good game. Well, if the season finale had anything to say about it, I mean, I think special teams is going to play a factor too. Naeem Hines finally showed up for the Bills. They, they traded for him expecting more than – but they I mean, he didn't really do much up until this past game. So, hey – Maybe that carries over into the playoffs. Who knows? Now, we do have to admit there, there's the whole Hamlin motivation and, and you know, will that carry? I, I tend to – I'm a big believer that emotion carries you for a quarter and then, you know, in fact, sometimes you can be over-emotional. Uh, I always point back to the 91 Cowboys Monday night against da uh, Washington where they jumped out early on them and it looked like yeah. they were about to roll them. And, and then Washington came back and, the, and Emmett Smith, I just always remember in the, in the post game admitting like, they were all spent like they that first half was so emotional they just had no more energy in the second half so i, I don't i don't know i just there's always weird games in the playoffs and this just feels like one of those weird games I agree to disagree i, I, I think fine. buffalo wins 44 17 all right, so let's move to the next Sunday night game uh, or Sunday game. That's three thirty Sunday afternoon. I think this one has now become where almost the trendy pick is the Giants. Everybody wants to call the upset, and, and they they played a close game in the regular season. Uh, Minnesota needed a sixty-one yard field goal. Also, Minnesota just all year long just has not looked like their record. They have a terrible point differential, and so I now realize in saying all that. Minnesota will end up winning by two scores. I wanted to say the Giants, and I think it could be, but it yeah. just when everybody points to the game that that's the upset game, usually the, the exact opposite happens. And I still feel Minnesota is better than what people think. Uh, to me, Minnesota is the same team they were last year, uber talented. Good point. The only difference is they're winning the close games they weren't winning in 2021. I don't know if it's kudos to Kevin O'Connell's first year as head coach. I have no idea what it is. Or just is. law of averages. Or law of averages. It's like we, we've said this on multiple podcasts, talk about the 2020 Seahawks versus the 2021 Seahawks. Yes. How they were winning all the close games in 2020, and then 2021 it wasn't happening. Same with the 49ers the year before, in 2019, they won a lot of close games, and then the next year they didn't. So yep. it's just the way it is. Uh, having said that, I think – yeah, I think Minnesota wins, and I think they win by ten. So you think they you think they win comfortably? Yeah, I, I think I think they show up for the playoffs. The Giants still have so many pieces they still need to fill to be even well, competitive and, at all. I mean, I, I still contend that this is the worst thing that could have happened to the Giants this year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I talked about this at our lovely pizza in lunch that we had a few a couple weeks ago. That was delicious. <laughs> Daniel Jones has not proven that he's the answer, but how do you get rid of the guy that takes you to the playoffs? So, I, I, I mean, as a Cowboy fan, I actually like that the Giants are in this position because that they have to make the right decision, and I don't know if they will. And I'm not saying I know the right decision, but I still look at Daniel Jones and go, okay, that's not a guy that's going to be a five playoff years out of six type of quarterback, in my opinion. He's good enough to get you into the playoffs, apparently. And you know what I think he did well was kind of what Justin Fields was starting to do with Chicago. It's just he needs more pieces. Daniel Jones was running the ball a lot more. Yeah. And I think that really kind of helped. With a healthy Saquon Barkley, which they really haven't had since his rookie year, they were able to, you know, eke out some close wins that they typically weren't getting. Uh, Brian Dayball, former Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, I think he's done an excellent job in his first year with what Meh. he's been given. Eh, I think he has. They, no, they have some like uh, Thibodeau is going to be a future star on defense. Oh, he's a beast. He's fun to watch. NFC yeah. East. If Chase Young can get back to being healthy. And Jordan Sweat and, and then Micah Parsons. Uh, and you have an NFC East that every team has an edge rusher that can dominate, which yeah. means in today's NFL, you're going to be competitive in every game. And what I like about the Giants' defensive front line is Dexter Lawrence. I always love players like him and Chris Jones that can get all kinds of pressure up the middle. And he's a guy that's going to be a force for them for years to come. It's going to be a pain in the Cowboys' neck as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. And again, that's you think of the NFC East. It's funny because you always think of. Well, I mean, you could literally say every position because I mean, when you NFC East for all the jokes a couple years ago, the NFC East historically is the greatest division in football. And I'm not even a division fan guy, but when you think of the NFC East, it's edge rushers to me. It's the guys through the, you know, from even before Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, because stats started counting as sacks, yeah. he got known. But I mean, just even in the in the 70s, not even just the Cowboys, but even the Eagles. That's what the Eagles defense of, of 79 was all about. But anyway, so you and I both have the Vikings. Uh, now let's go to the Sunday night game, which I think will be the most boring game. Uh, I think the Ravens and Bengals, hey, if Lamar Jackson somehow plays and maybe he's going to pull a Willis Reed, but if he somehow plays and he's healthy, okay, it's a game. But I, I think the Bengals are a team that are going to do just enough to win. They're not going to light up the scoreboard because they don't have to. And, and I think I just don't think the Ravens are going to be able to move the ball. I think the fact that as of today, today's Wednesday, January 11th, I don't – he hasn't practiced. Yeah, he's not all. playing. I, he's not playing. If he's not playing, they're not winning. Yep. And even if he does play, I think they still won't win. I, I think it'll be a, a similar situation to the season finale. And I think Bengals win roughly 28 to 14. Uh, Burrow's going to have a pretty good, you know, this is funny. I, I've, I've dogged their offensive line this year after all the offensive or out the, all the free agency moves they made. And Burrow still seems to figure it out. They're somehow better this year than they were last year. I'm not sure it's going to be good enough to get back to the Super Bowl, but it'll be good enough to win this opening round game. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, they only gave up one sack – uh, I'm sorry, two sacks 
against the Ravens last week. And I always believe offensive line, it's easier to see that second team for both sides to yeah. see that second team again. Cause you kind of figure out you, you can't change a lot. Uh, I, I do have to ask you though, real quick. Uh, what do you think about the, the Ravens re upping Rokan Smith for a hundred million dollars, five year, a hundred million dollar deal. <sighs> For an off-the-ball linebacker. He's an a stud. Off, I know, but an off-the-ball okay. linebacker. He's a great compliment to Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen has been Good proven point. to not be the best run defense linebacker, but Roquan Smith has proven to be a stout run defensive linebacker. I think they complement each other. Ever since he's been on that team, they've improved so much on defense. They're starting to remind me of those old Raven teams from the early years with Ray Lewis and Ed. Reed. Not there yet, but when fully healthy, this is a dangerous and stout defense. And that's kind of the reason why after Lamar Jackson got hurt, I figured they would still make the playoffs. They were 8-4 and four when Jackson got hurt, and they somehow finagled ten, or two more wins, and that was largely due in part to that stout defense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I just think for for a team that's going to have to pay a quarterback or make a really shocking decision and not pay him. I think a yeah. hundred million for an off the ball linebacker. And he has done a lot this year since the trade. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, that kind of reminds me of what Dallas would do with a Jalen Smith type to where you realize, and I, and I don't, and I don't even think Rokan Smith is going to like, falter like that but it's like do you really need to pay that guy in today's era you know what though the thing i was i just forgot they have to pay lamar jackson but he still kind of has a ceiling if he doesn't have a receiver that can go over the top because if he doesn't have that receiver mark andrews is not going to be as effective so you kind of need a DeAndre Hopkins or a well, that's exactly where I was about to go. Okay, that's why I love you. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins apparently has told the Cardinals, or the Cardinals have told him, depending on how you want to look at it. We're look, we're putting you on the trading block. Um, I, I think the teams that would make sense for him. And by the way, if this is the first time you've listened, this is kind of what we do. We start with a little bit of an outline, but we kind of drift. I, I think Dallas makes sense for DeAndre Hopkins. I think the Ravens make sense. I think the Giants make sense. I think maybe even a team like the Chargers, if you are worried that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams always seems to be hurt. Joshua Palmer's a really good third guy, but I don't really feel see him going past 50 catches, 500 yards. So I, I think the Cardinals are actually making the right move. I, I kind of feel like the Cardinals, you might see them go, let's just kind of tear things down. Let, let's we tried this whole thing with Kingsbury and Murray and you know the, the, the Sean McVay was hot type of coach it didn't work let's just tear it down we've got some assets we can trade let's get some draft picks yeah I have no idea where DeAndre Hopkins is gonna go it'll be on a team that's ready for a championship yeah Cowboys would be a good go ahead go ahead no no I was gonna I was say gonna, maybe even the Bills. Bills would be a great destination. They're kind of strong at that position, but hey, another another player wouldn't hurt. Uh, for the Cowboys, I will say a lot of the Dak hate is 
I first I, I agree with you. I think Dak Prescott's a really good quarterback and a team mm-hmm. and a quarterback that can get the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Yes. What I think the problem is this year with all the interceptions, I think he only trusts one receiver on that team, and that's C.D. Lamb. I don't really don't think he honestly trusts anybody else, and it seems like he's trying to make the perfect pass. And some of that's leading to interceptions. He, he really does need a second option receiving. Schultz is decent. Everybody else well, is serviceable. Let, I, let, let's – Let's say this. The the whole reason, and I remember I sent you this link right before the season began. I'm like, this is so frustrating. One of the pundits said the one mistake the the Cowboys did did in the offseason was not to lock up Dalton Schultz long term. And and I've been saying on this show that the whole reason they gave him this cap deal where, you know, when, when he was tagged was, okay, let's see what you do this year. And I think that with Ferguson and, and uh, the other dude, Henderson shot or whatever his name is, Henderson, I think yeah. they've shown that they, they can replace him next year. And I don't think we'd miss a lot. I mean, Schultz was just a healthy Blake Jarwin. They were one in the same. So it, point. It, he was a check down guy. Yeah. So and this year, the safeties have been collapsing on him. And that's also where some of these interceptions gone. I, and, and you and I were talking about this the other day. I, I think we're seeing now the defenses have realized so for for the last five years, defenses played these shells where they were protected against the big play, and they just let teams dink and dunk and dink and dunk. Well, the issue is, is that started working, and NF, and quarterbacks were easily moving the offensive down in fourteen yard, you know, fourteen play drives and stuff. And so now the defense is like, you know what? We're going to take away the easy stuff. You have to go over the top of us. So I think we're going to see, not just with Dak, but even Josh Allen. I know technically Josh Allen has thrown about the same amount of interceptions as he did last year, but in less passes. I think you're going to see more quarterbacks have higher interceptions because teams are being forced to throw down the field more. This is when Jameis Winston needs to be starting. Oh, my God, I miss him. To the Cowboys, please. (laughs) I would trade the whole team for just – no. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Monday night. The Dallas Cowboys go on the road. You're going to hate this. They've already announced they're wearing their Navy tops. So it's Cowboy Blue uh, versus the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, 7-0 and against the Cowboys. It feels like, you know, I, I know people want to say, oh, this is like San Francisco last year. It's a bad matchup. I actually don't think it is. I actually think, and I told you this early in the week, I think Dallas wins this comfortably. I think the Buccaneers can do a couple things. They can hit Mike Evans a couple times, but you're, I, I think Dallas's pass rush will get to Brady enough. I, I think Dallas's offensive line will figure out enough to grind down Tampa. I, don't shock me if it's going to be a, a 10-6 Tampa Bay lead going into half, but then in that second half, which Dallas has done very well this year, Dallas, again, how many games we talked about were in the third quarter, it was a one-possession game, and then Dallas wins by three touchdowns. I kind of feel like that's going to happen again this week. I think Dallas wins. I, I think it's going to be like a 28-13 to 13 type of game. I would hope you're right. Are you getting but, nervous? Oh, uh, no. I've, I've accepted whatever happens. Oh, so we're <laughs> going to be talking draft next episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay's offensive line is hurt and banked up. Werfs, uh, Donovan, they're both hurt. They might play. Having said that, I have no idea where the Cowboys' pass rush has gone. This was one of the most stout uh, pass rushes in all of football. 
they end up finishing, I think, third in sacks. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, after watching that Washington game, you know, I've had other Cowboy fans talk to me and ask me, hey, Noe, what happened with this team? Like, I saw the starters playing on Sunday, but it didn't seem like they were really trying. And I couldn't even give them an answer because – I don't think they were. Yeah, but – if that's the case, then why do you keep your starters out on the field? I, I 100% agree. I think the one mistake McCarthy made this year was in that game by simply going, okay, if you're going to pretend that you think the Giants are going to beat the Eagles, then game plan the heck out of this game and treat it like a playoff game. If you don't, well, then just don't play all the starters, or at least let Micah Parsons get some rest, you know, they kind of did that in between where they played the starters, but you could also kind of tell that they hadn't really game planned against the, the, the commanders in this game. So I agree with you. I, I think they should have just came out early and been like, look, we don't really think the giants are going to beat the Eagles. So we're going to take this game and treat it like a bye week And saying that as much of a defender of Dak as I am, you have to address the issue, man, like it, 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 it just like in, in the sequence of the pick six this week, you nearly throw an interception, and so you immediately go back to that that pass route, basically. So who's at fault there, Dak or the OC going, maybe realize, hey, Dak doesn't have it at that throw tonight. Let's work something else. Let, let, let's work on this, and, and maybe we can work that. I don't know. I, I just I, I don't feel like that Washington game means anything, but it does just add to the crap that people say uh, about the Cowboys when it comes to this time of year. Because it does look a lot like last year where they played so well through October and November, and yeah, they won in December, but they didn't win pretty, and then they played the Niners, and then they got beat. I don't think Cowboys are winning Monday night. Oh, my God, you've changed. So you are nervous because you told me early in this week you thought Dallas won- wins. I just – if the pass rush shows up, Dallas wins by more than two scores. Yeah. Because I know Tampa's offense is banged up. Well, can I tell you one thing, though, to give you hope? Okay. So Michael Parsons in the last six games has no been nowhere near the sack total as he was at the beginning of the year. But do you realize that Michael Parsons is – his what they call his pass – his win pass rush rate is actually higher now than it was then. And, and sacks at the end of the day, as you and I always talk about sacks are not the point it's getting pressure to the quarterback. Yep. And, and I go back and remember the, the it, Tampa Bay having the ball twice in the red zone in that first game. And Micah Parsons making two sacks to, mm-hmm. to I, I go back to that, but also remember Micah Parsons just being in the backfield gave Brady problems Brady will not run I, I I think that that's also hurt Dallas the last few weeks you've had quarterbacks that are more mobile and, and one of the weaknesses of the Cowboy pass rush this year is when they get past that when the ends get past the quarterback line quarterback steps up and, and he has room Brady can't run I, I I still just feel like the only reason people think Dallas might lose is because it's Brady and it's the Cowboys haven't won on the road. The Cowboys don't win in the playoffs. When you just completely look at matchup per matchup, I, I think Dallas is just a better team at this point right now. I mean, Dallas, the the, the talent is better. The record is better. I just don't know what team is going to show up on Monday night. And I – yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm, – I, Buccaneers are winning. Wow. 
Buccaneers wow. Warriors. All right, so let's say that happens, and and I'm not saying it won't. What, what? I mean, like, how do you look at the last two years? You you look at two years where they've won more than 12 games. First time that's happened since '92. Back mm-hmm. to or '94. Not back to back playoffs. First time that's happened since '05 and '06. Mm-hmm. But what is your like? How? I, I don't know. I mean, are you? Are you let's keep it all things together year three and hope, or do you? I don't think you can tear down. I don't think Jerry Jones will ever tear down again. He learned that lesson in the in the aughts. You just you're not guaranteed anything, and you lose your fan base. They're not winning playoff games with the current roster. That was a problem last year. They had the stacked team, and then they. But can't we look at last year and go, okay, a. They just played a team that just matchup was a nightmare for them in that first round. 49ers are a matchup problem for sure. And I just don't think the Buccaneers are that same matchup problem. I think if Buccaneers had, I don't know, Kirk Cousins as their quarterback right now, we wouldn't be in any way even thinking this was going to be a a possible win. Correct. For for the Buccaneers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's true, but – that's not the case. Reality is, is Tom Brady. I don't care that he's 45 years old. He's still the GOAT. He's still a guy I do not want to have the ball with on the final drive of the game because you know what's going to happen. Oh, no. So, I, uh, I, I was actually going to say, I totally agree with that because if you look at what the Bucks have done in, in, in this race to the, the, the division title is yeah. they played like crap for three quarters and then, but they kept the game close enough to where Brady, I totally agree. If, if we go into the fourth quarter and it's 14, <laughs> 13 Dallas. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get, look for the draft picks next year. And, and for 10, yeah. we're, we're going to get started on our draft research for 2023. Yeah, uh, Derek Del Rio's in the chat. He says, go pack, go. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, let's go ahead and we'll end it on that. Uh, Packers, do they keep – because we had another somebody – oh, NETSN Live asked about Aaron Rodgers to Seattle. Uh, Packers, if you're the Packers, what are you doing? I mean, is this just a weird bad year that things didn't go right? Or do you start thinking, okay, it's time to start maybe tearing down or see what who would you know trade for Rodgers? What, what are your thoughts? I would throw out feelers. I mean, I remember last year Aaron Rodgers was flirting with Pittsburgh – because mm-hmm. uh, Roethlisberger was retiring. Seattle would be a great destination for Rodgers. He has the, you know, he has DK. He has some talent there. But, like, with him and Brady, this is the 49ers. 49ers would sacrifice a yeah. year or two and put Lance back on the bench. But can you if Brock Purdy? I mean, what if Brock Purdy takes them to the Super Bowl? They'll keep them around. They'll evaluate it, and they're going to listen to other people offering something for Purdy. For you sure, think? they they might. Because I mean, they, this they, is not a situation where he's they're just not going to they're not going to get the same value for Lance as they will with Purdy right now. He's he's the hot guy. Who Purdy is? Purdy is the hot guy. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, and that's my point. It's not like Purdy's been a bus driver who's thrown four touchdowns and eight interceptions. He leads the league in quarterback since or touchdowns since he started with eleven. But is that a product of the great system that's around him? But but yeah. that's my point. So why why would you change anything? You get a guy on a rookie deal, so you've got four more years of him where you can overpay other positions because you don't have to pay him. If you bring in Aaron Rodgers, it's a hundred million dollars. Derek brings up a good point, and I don't think it's that wrong. Las Vegas for Aaron Rodgers. 
they're Las Vegas has talent. They're in when well, they need an average defense, which they don't have right now. But but you bring Aaron Rodgers back with Devontae Adams. You try to figure out either you re-sign Josh Jacobs or I mean, they got to resign Josh Jacobs because I think they're going to lose him. If, I don't think he's going to feel like they had faith in him since they didn't offer him past the five year deal. Jacobs is such a great compliment for that. Offense oh, I agree. And very needed with a healthy Waller and Renfro. Oh, man. That's an explosive offense. No, no, I, I totally agree with you there. All right. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, trying something new with the video. We're probably going to do it again. Uh, want to remind everybody our title sponsors, Frisco Bar and Grill. So please check them out. Located 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco. Also, Grandeur uh, Pest Solutions. Find them online at grandeurforsure.com. Uh, we appreciate them. And then Mattress Depot, 11 locations all over the DFW Metroplex. All right, Noe, uh, we're going to. I don't know. Do you like the Monday night game being the Cowboys? I kind of do. I kind of feel like I can get all my regular football and not have that overhang, and then Monday I can do with the Cowboys. That's what it's like watching the Cowboys now. It's not about fun. It, it's about just let's just get through the damn game. Let's just get it over and move on. They're going to frustrate us Cowboy fans for most of the game, and then they either win or they lose. It's I want to remind, remind you of all these things you said when you're sending me the text <laughs> one minute after the game ends, if they lose with F this team, F <laughs> bring back Jimmy Johnson. All right, that's going to do it. That's, that's not a bad idea, actually. And it would never work. He only won without a, a salary cap. That's it, third. No, I'm Terry Bennett. This <laughs> is Out Drink.